episode is sponsored by award-winning book, Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot by James Allen Ross. Hey, Boothangs. It's your girl, Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just Ghoulie Things. I almost went in to do it. I did. You know what, Lily? I had a feeling I should have warned you, but I said, you know what? (laughs) I believe in my best friend, and I know she's not going to mess this up for us. And it's so close. Glad. So close. So close, yet so far. Well, what's going on, Boothangs? It's your girl, Rebecca and Lily. And hey. we're back, second episode going into 2022. We're on a roll. We're crushing it, honestly. Two weeks in a row? That's so 2019 for us. (laughs) Even though it's through Zoom again, it's okay. We're going to make it up. It's my fault again, guys. It's my fault again. We should start a a drinking game on the show where every time it's a Zoom episode, because it's Lily's fault, everyone (laughs) has to take three shots. I said to my coworker the other day, I was like, I'm not feeling too great. And she was like, you never feel great. I was like, I literally have an autoimmune disease. Like I'm sick all the time. And she's like, well, it's always something with you. <laughs> I love it. Like, can't you just like meditate that away? Like <laughs> exactly. She's like, you can't do crystals to get rid of, to get rid of your body that attacks itself. Can't relate. <laughs> I just think you're very weak-minded. That's all. It's fine. Not all of us have <laughs> strong will. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. <laughs> What's your excuse? <laughs> oh, I can already feel the toxic masculinity rising in this episode. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm oh, quaking. Oh, okay. Well, just to get right into it, uh, this week's episode, we are talking about haunted, spooky, kooky stories that happened during the winter season. Mm-hmm. And this was Lily's idea. Lily, what gave you the idea to come up with this topic this week? So I went into, this is the least interesting thing ever. Yours are always like epiphanies. I was literally just like in the bathroom brushing my teeth and above my sink, there's like a skylight and I look up and there's still like some snow on it. I was like, I'm so fucking sick of this winter. Like nothing good comes of it. And then I was like, wait a minute. Flip it, reverse it could be a fun episode. Look at you taking a bad situation and making it positive. Now do that with your autoimmune disease. (laughs) It's called reframing, sweetie. Look it up. (laughs) See, when you said that you were in the bathroom, I thought because you haven't been feeling well, you were going to say you were taking a shit. But then I realized that you actually have respect for yourself. Um, So... (laughs) No, for a change, I was literally, when I texted you, I was brushing my teeth. I was like, but I can see where you would be led to believe that. Yeah. As I definitely, you know, am under the weather, but whatever. We learn from it. We grow from it. We make good episodes out of it. Yeah. We do it at Lily's expense of her autoimmune disease. So I'm so sick of it. Ah, sick of it. Get it? Actually. All right. Did I tell you? Wait, Wait, what happened? I do have a bank story. Oh um, my God, let's hear it. Okay. So this isn't, this isn't something that happened recently, but speaking of autoimmune diseases, I remember when we got a new assistant manager and he just started and he was like getting to know everyone, you know, and like we all want to feel like connected to someone in some way. Yeah. And 
It's so funny. I said something. This might have been actually the exact same conversation I told you about with my coworker. Said something about the autoimmune disease, and he literally comes up to me at my desk later. He was like, "I don't mean to pry, but do you did you say you have an autoimmune disease?" And I'm like, "Shit, here we go." Yes, and he was like, "Oh my god, me too." <laughs> <laughs> And it brought it. That was our bonding moment. <laughs> you guys should be called the compromise comrades. <gasps> I love it. He was like, do you get dry skin? I was like, all the time. He was like, I have cocoa butter. Like, let me know. He's like, I keep it in my briefcase. I was like, awesome. <laughs> He's like, I got the Palmer's lotion. And I keep it, a little bottle of it in my briefcase. <laughs> I know what the next icebreaker is for my next <laughs> bonding. Yes, it was so funny. I was like, oh, that's the good shit. <laughs> like, if you know, you know. The girls who get it, get it. The girls who don't, don't. Not everyone can understand my advanced humor. <laughs> I'm not like every don't other girl. I'm not like other girls. My body attacks itself and I get very sleepy. I'm so quirky, right? <laughs> Oh, all right. Anyways, so our stories. Who yeah. started? Last week you started. So, so then it's your turn. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Um, which one do I want to start off with? I'll start off with this one. Weird experience in California years ago. And this is by writer Norn Zoba. Yeah. And I say writer because they wrote this, uh, their experience on Reddit. Um, pretty sure the stories that I picked out are real, but it's the internet. So you never know, but <laughs> for the purposes of this episode, you mean there's, you mean there's not hot singles in my area wanting to meet me? <laughs> oh, those are real. And, and they're actually like, I can trust the internet with that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Title weird experience in California years ago. The encounter I had was in Porterville, California during the winter of 2007. I worked for the city, driving the equivalent of a taxi that people could call and schedule rides for a flat rate. It's been 15 years, so I'm fuzzy on the exact time, but I believe it was late December. Sidebar, the fact that 2007 was 15 years ago is an absolute disgrace. Thanks, I hate it. I hate it too. The Central Valley doesn't get incredibly cold, but can drop down to high 30s occasionally. And this was one of those times. I was sitting idling in my vehicle, waiting to hear the dispatcher tell me I could drop my fares and head home. I parked in front of the city library and ahead of me across the road running perpendicular to the one I was parked on were these concrete planters, each with a tree growing out of it that lined the street. People would often stop and sit on these as they were about three to four feet tall. I noticed immediately that there was someone sitting there and did a double take because it was what appeared to be a girl of no more than 12. She had long blonde hair and was very pale, but appeared solid and real. The striking thing about her, other than her age and the fact she appeared alone at 10 at night, was that she was wearing only a thin slip or flimsy nightgown. She was barefoot with her knees drawn up in front of her. And like I mentioned earlier, this was a night where it was cold, especially for our area. So I watched her for a few minutes, thinking maybe someone would come out of, out of one of the businesses that was near where she was sitting. And after about five minutes, a couple came out, a man and woman. They walked right past her without seeming to even notice the girl. About a minute or two after, another group of people came out. One of them was a woman with a shiny winter jacket on. 
As they passed the girl, she reached out and kind of felt the material of the woman's sleeve. The crazy part is that no one seemed to even react to this. I eventually got a call on my radio and I then had to leave. However, the next night I saw her again. This was across town when I was driving to drop my vehicle at our city yard. She was walking down the street, still barefoot and wearing the same thin shift or slip she had been previously wearing. I did a double take and did a loop around the block to drive by her again and possibly call my dispatcher to let her know that a kid was out walking in in less than 40 degree weather, apparently in her nightgown and shoeless. However, as I drove up next to her, I got an intense feeling of fear and strangely age question mark. She was a cute kid, but I haven't ever been able to shake the strange feeling she gave me living in that part of California. I had many times visited the Sequoia National Forest and saw the giant trees that are thousands of years old. For anyone who has been there, the trees almost give off an aura of being ancient, like an almost tangible feeling of age, at least for me. And this was the same feeling, along with fear from the weirdness, that this wisp of a girl gave me. I must admit, I did nothing but drive away. I never did see the girl after that, despite a lot of nighttime driving around the same areas in the subsequent days and weeks. I've had several theories over the years about her, but never got any solid answers. Years later, I still think about this, despite living in another state and having only seen her twice. I've asked people who live there about it, but got nothing. I even went as far as to look for records of missing people, as well as deaths. Never saw anything remotely connected. Just wanted to share. Thanks for reading. On if the nightgown or slip was white, because we're halfway there. I can. I would confidently put money down that this girl was wearing a white nightgown. <laughs> confidently. Oh my gosh, that's. What do you think the backstory is? If this is, you know, the spirit. What do you think the backstory is? What's your opinion? She totally got hit by a car in the middle of the night. Yes, like she was a sleepwalker. Okay, I like where we're going with this. Okay, sleepwalking, gets hit, and the driver feels so guilty, but drives away. And the person is forever haunted by the guilt and, like, her spirit just reminding him. Because I'm going to say it to him. It was a truck driver. Yes. He took the life of an innocent little girl, and she Mm -hmm. haunts him forever, and makes him turn into an alcoholic and drug addict, and he pretty much just, like, he pretty oh much God. falls into himself because of the amount oh of guilt he has. That got, what is it? That got out of hand fast. That and that's why he only saw her twice because after that second time he saw her, her job was done. The guy died and her mission was over. Yeah. I kind of am living for it. Right. Like, I'm never gonna, I, I'm never like, yeah, that guy became a drug addict and alcoholic, but it's a good story arc. You know what I mean? Like yes. you could see it being a film, like a Blumhouse film. Yes. 1000%. There's, would you call that character development or like character? That was like- every, that was every type of development. You had, you had the exposition, right? Mm-hmm. You had a conflict driving the narrative. You had the, What's the last part that they call it in like eighth grade English? Um, the resolution or something? Resolution, is it the re- yes. Yes. I mean, this is, this is, you should sell that story. I think, I think it has potential. And I think Amy Anderson needs to help me 
uh, yes, create this into an actual, like at least a rough draft. And oh my God, she is, she would be enthralled by that opportunity. You know, she said the other day too, we were talking about the Disney trip and my dad was like, I miss Rebecca. My mom was like, yeah, she needs to come over again. And I was like, thanks, <laughs> but true. Uh, let's be real, Lily. I probably spent more time with your parents on that trip than you did. I so. was like, that's, that's true. And I, and I embrace every minute of it. So it's fine. I love you so much. I was living being with your parents. It was great. Oh my gosh. You're literally the second daughter that they like kind of like more. <laughs> but it's like not spoken about. It's kind of just like, it's mm-hmm. like the big elephant in the room that no one wants to address. But like, yeah, we're doing just fine. Like it's a healthy enough, stable relationship that like, yes. it doesn't need to be presented at a family dinner anytime soon. I love it. It's like, you know what it is? It's like, I just watched um, some early episodes of Friends. Uh-huh. And it's like how Ross and Monica's parents love Ross and hate Monica. Yes. And then like, he confesses his whole life is falling apart. And they're appalled and look at Monica and go, and you knew about this? Yes, that would be your parents. <laughs> yes. Oh, speaking of good TV shows... On Netflix, I don't know if you've been like watching TV. I know you're really busy and stuff. This the show everyone is called Archives eighty one, and it's on Netflix. And it has the lead character in the movie Black Box. If you've ever heard of it, um, the director is like a director for like The Conjuring, Insidious. His name's like James James Wen or Wayne or something like that. W A N, and he's he's created all the greats of the bulb house production. Um, yeah, the show. And I don't want to give too much away, but it's pretty much about this guy who, um, restores old cassette tapes. And he's given this job by this very ambiguous company that he doesn't really know anything about to restore these tapes from a fire in the Visser apartment buildings in 1994. And as he's restoring these videotapes that he's finding, he's, starting to find out a lot of things he never knew and it starts developing and that's pretty much all you need to know, but it's really creepy and I'm obsessed. I'm already on episode three. It's like hour long episodes. So you can binge it. Dude, if, if I take a sick day tomorrow, which I'm 50, 50 on, that's going to be my day. Oh, you have to update me. It's so good. I love it. Oh my God. What's it called? Tapes 81? Archives 81. Archives 81. Yeah. Okay. All right, mm-hmm. I'm always down for a new spooky kooky ooky show. When I run out of one, I just go back to Forensic Files. Um, yeah. Have you ever watched Forensic Files? Oh, yeah, that's like my total like binge watching. I feel like I'm trying to fall asleep, but like I can't, and like I want to listen. Yes. To Forensic Files all the way. I know. That, yeah, that's my like, my day off, just want to relax and maybe take a nap. It's Forensic Files. Yeah, I can totally fall asleep to hearing about like a man get his like throat slit and strangled to death and yeah I know and those are the nights those are the nights though for me at least I don't know about you but I don't have like nightmares after oh yeah I I feel like I probably should speak to my therapist about that but like I'm I'm completely content with it that's true yeah I'll have like the stress dreams and the bad gore murder sometimes night terrors but it's always like I didn't do anything that day like went to work and watched Shrek 2. Like, why, why am I feeling this way after that? But like forensic files, I'm, I'm chilling. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's my that's my de-stressor is having very high stress situation type shows to watch makes sense. honestly just crack open a white claw and be like at least it's not me my first story is by a user named dragon underscore crystal and it's called mysterious hole in our backyard that disappears after winter this story happened a couple of years ago before we moved to our current house during the winter and it happened to myself along with my youngest brother as well as our first dog It was the only time it happened to us, and we're still baffled by it. So the cast is me, my Vivi, my youngest brother, and Frisbee, our dog. By the way, perfect name for a dog. I've never heard of a dog named Frisbee, but now I want to know a dog named Frisbee. I can picture it like a either like a small Jack Russell Terrier or like a giant, like, I'm feeling chocolate lab. Maybe yeah. Golden Retriever. Like, I those like, are my three dogs. I like Jack Russell, though. I'm getting that. Because they would be the ones, like, jump up really high in the air and, like, do a backflip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my childhood best friend's dog, Klutz, who was a Jack Russell Terrier and named appropriately. So, so okay. Since it was a cold day and we didn't want to go outside, but we had to let Frisbee go outside to do her business... After a while, Frisbee didn't come back to the door yet. So my brother Vivi went outside to check on her. This part will be from what he told me, and I'll recall it like from what he told me. Vivi went outside and is calling Frisbee only to hear her barking, but slightly faintly. Vivi follows her barking to the middle of the backyard, only to look down and see Frisbee in a deep hole. Now, we do have a big backyard, but this hole was never here before. Vivi kneels down and reaches for Frisbee to try and pull her out only for him to slip on the snow and fall in himself, getting stuck, getting stuck himself. Vivi tried to climb out, but he couldn't get a proper grip on the snow and kept falling back down into the hole. He then picked up Frisbee and managed to lift Frisbee out of the hole, then gently pushed her away from the edge. Frisbee, being a puppy, kept trying to jump back into the hole, but Vivi sternly told her no, and Frisbee stopped. This is when I started getting worried about Vivi, and Frisbee hasn't come back yet, Um, because it was cold, and I didn't want to get in trouble because Vivi caught a cold, so I went outside to find them and started calling for both of them. I saw Frisbee running in my direction, but not Vivi. I approached Frisbee, instead of coming to me, Frisbee turned around and ran back to where the hole was, guiding me back to Vivi. That's when I heard him calling out for help, and I called back to him. Vivi suddenly warns me to be careful or I'd end up falling in myself, because we were the only kids at home besides our dad who was inside the house and wouldn't be able to hear us calling for help. So I carefully creep forward until I can see him standing in this hole, and I ask him how he got in there. He tells me how he fell in while reaching in to get Frisbee, but was able to lift her out. I knelt down and reached down to pull him out. While pulling him, I felt myself slowly sliding down myself, and I had to let him go, but I told him I was going to get something to help him get out. I returned to the garage and... um, I'm sorry, I run into the garage and pull out our plastic kid shovels, ran back to the edge of the hole and handed him the shovel. I told him to make footholds so he can climb out and he does just that. That's so smart. That's so I would have never thought that. Not me. Not in this moment of panic. Uh-uh. Not even in a moment of serenity. Mm-hmm. Even with the footholds, 
it was still too hard for him to climb out. So I took a hold of the shovel blade. I'm glad it was plastic and not metal. Told him to hold onto the handle and I pulled outwards while he climbed out with his foothold. Mm -hmm. After getting him out and grabbing Frisbee, we quickly rushed inside before Vivi caught a cold and gave them both something warm to eat and drink so they can warm up after so they can warm up and after winter passed we went and looked outside only to not see the hole in the backyard anymore we waited until the next winter to see if the hole would appear again we even used the same shovel to poke around the area where the hole was and couldn't find it anymore we were too confused never told our parents about it because they might not believe me so I don't even know. Is that how they're leaving us? That's how they're hanging? That's literally how they're leaving us. What? I need to know more about this hole. This is like, this is a magic hole. That's what I think. I was, so I'm obviously, you know me, like skimming the comments. So obviously there's some skeptics, which I can imagine. When I first was reading over this story this afternoon, I was like, hmm. Maybe not, because I thought it was going to be just the retelling of what the brother said and the, you know, OP wasn't there. But I feel like it's hard for, like, two people to make up identical stories. And someone else is commenting, you know, so there's something and it says somebody suggested maybe it was moles, like digging holes, which is a thing. Uh You know, they like, and they'll like burrow in and everything. So that I understood, but then, you know... I, I, um, I kept reading someone was like, moles don't dig holes that big. They usually don't fill in their digs when they're done with them. That's and true. honestly, I'm not even going to lie to you. Moles, I read somewhere, like they don't even really have eyes. Wait, like they're super cute, but like they like have practically non-existent eyeballs. I don't know if they even have eyeballs at all. And somebody said, um, you know, the OP said, unless it's a giant mole, but the hole was very big. And someone else said it might have been a groundhog. Um, but then somebody suggested, you know, wouldn't a groundhog be hibernating up in Maine in the fucking winter or wherever? I think so, it was Maine. I'm, so so I'm, there's literally just, there's no answer for this. I don't know where to even come up with a theory for what's going on. I mean, they I feel like... They found a portal. Yeah. Oh, no, Minnesota is where they live. Yeah. Like winter in Minnesota, winter in the Midwest is no fucking joke. So yeah. imagine all the snow and then a hole. Like it just doesn't seem right. There's not a lot of tectonic plate movement to my knowledge. So what happened that a sinkhole didn't continue to expand in a backyard, right? The sinkholes are real. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm just lost with this one. That is true. And then also you can't say that they made the hole and then covered it up because if it was Minnesota cold, more likely than not, the ground is already frozen and mm-hmm. they were not going to be able to dig a hole that deep. Yeah. And, th- and they said it was about like five feet deep or so, but if there's snow on the ground, how are you going to get through that snow? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, no. It's like everything is slightly makes a little bit of sense, but I feel like in the grand scheme of things, it make it, it's not enough. So I, we're learning a lot today. And something that I think is going to be my takeaway from this episode is mm-hmm. how small mole eyes are. Because when you said that they barely have eyes, I had mm-hmm. to look it up because I really, I haven't, I don't have an array of mole photos in my phone. To <laughs> for, 
But I did Google it. And these are the tiniest eyes I've ever seen. Right? That's an eye. Oh, my God. But they're so cute, aren't they? (sighs) They look like a Pokemon. They look like a Pokemon. I think there is a mole Pokemon, actually. Is there? It would make sense. And these eyes, I just... The eyes are bothering me. I think they're so cute because I saw... What? A second. Do they call a mole on your face a mole because they look like the eyes of a mole? <gasps> if that's the reason, I am done with everything and I'm going to go retire in a nice house on a private island and I don't ever want to talk to anyone ever again because my whole life's been a lie. Oh my God. I yeah no we're gonna strictly call them beauty marks then. Just that, I don't I, even. There's so I, much happening. This yes. is a chaotic episode, but I like it. These are the episodes that end up being the most successful because just so much random shit happens that you don't expect. Honestly, wow, okay. we really like took a simple topic and are just spiraling it, and mm-hmm. I love it. That's just JGT fashion. Yes. Okay. All right. My next story is titled, Did Something Take Form of My Dad? And this is by uh, Reddit user adventurous underscore job underscore 6637. This happened a while ago, either December of 2020 or January of 2021. But I remember what happened clearly since it was strange and one of the very few seemingly paranormal events that I ever witnessed. It was snowing a lot, and this was around 2 to 3 a.m. at night. Of course, middle of the night, double hours. Um, my, sis- my little sister and I were awake, and we went outside in the backyard to look at the falling snow without informing our parents. They were in their room along with my brother. The whole backyard was covered in snow. After looking and walking in the falling snow in the backyard for about 10 minutes, me and my little sister both heard my name being called loudly by my father's voice. And we looked and saw a figure standing right in my room's window overlooking us and staring us down. That looked like my dad's silhouette. We thought we were in trouble since our dad is strict and overprotective. However, both of us did agree that we also got an eerie feeling at the same time since something just felt off. We went back into the house and we both went into my room and it was empty. Then my sister went into our parents' room and asked our dad about it. And he said he didn't even know we were outside and that he, in fact, didn't call my name. (laughs) Yeah. We also recall later that the way the silhouette was standing, it would have been impossible for a person to physically stand like that by my window since there is a bedpost in the way. (laughs) There were some other paranormal events in my house before this happened. The other paranormal events were on the second floor and were reported by separate Airbnb guests that rented the second floor. One guest complained of hearing threatening disembodied voices and two separate guests complained of seeing an unidentified person in the dark that stood completely still and didn't say anything to them, but watched them from the bottom of the stairs. I think this might be the same shadow person since guests couldn't describe the face or clothes saying it was too dark to see. Ever since the latest paranormal occurrence I described in this post, I haven't experienced any other paranormal events at all. The second floor isn't rented out for Airbnb anymore because my uncle's family and grandma live there and they haven't reported anything unusual. Although my grandma does get scared to be alone in her room at night. So she always leaves the door slightly open. I'm interested in the paranormal. So I might buy ghost hunting supplies and inspect the house and other places that way. Yes, I'd love to see it. 
I love, I love the due diligence of like, you know what, I'm going to just go by myself, my own equipment and do my own research because clearly there's something not adding up in this household. And I want it. Absolutely. But seems oh like, um, seems like shadow person vibes, possibly doppelganger since it was, since it sounded like the father, like it was taking form of mm-hmm. the father figure, which is very, mm-hmm. weird. um, seems, seems dark though. doesn't seem like a very welcoming, very warm spirit it does give me big like spooky kooky ghosts up in the attic vibes you know what i mean like i feel like if i feel as if obviously they have you know like they said like their uncle's family like the uncle and grandma or whatever is living there now Mm -hmm. i would totally market it as a haunted airbnb oh hell yeah i would totally rent out a haunted airbnb right described it yeah yeah. And you could like put a disclaimer, like, you know, nothing guaranteed to happen, but just know so you don't get uncomfortable yeah. or something. Cause that would draw me in. That would make me, I feel like that would make me feel more comfortable going is if it's like, okay, there might not be a ghost. Cause I feel like signing up obviously to stay with a stranger on the internet and them saying it's haunted. Like you could be walking into a tourist trap. You could be walking into a serial killer's house. Like literally who knows, mm-hmm. but I feel like they really could make that like, make it happen uh, but you're right it's 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 hard to tell like shadow person versus doppelganger I mean it might be because right they said that the guests had a hard time like identifying the man mm-hmm. do you think they just no because the dad would be there I was gonna say maybe like they don't couldn't really pull, pick him out of a crowd because he was just like a regular looking guy. Well, I think the he reason was, why the they couldn't recognize it. it, they couldn't recognize the person was because it was so dark. And I think it was quick. Yeah. So like yeah. they couldn't get any distinguished features. I was trying to make some kind of sense out of it, you know, because yeah. you like, you can see a shadow person in the dark better than, you know, it's <sighs> so many possibilities. Maybe there's two or maybe, maybe the spirit world is more fluid than we think. What do you mean by that? Like, maybe a doppelganger can turn into just a shadow person and a black-eyed kid can turn into an innocent little girl in a white nightgown. Like, you don't know. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. All I can think about is how much money they'd make. I'm sorry. I'm preoccupied. (laughs) The hustler in you right now is just like dollar signs right now. Yes, exactly. All I see are dollar signs. All right, Lily, what's your second story? Okay. My second story is, let me find it, called, it's by Ishmael760, called White Mountains, Winter 1991. Mm. And it goes like this. It's neither the most remarkable thing that has happened to me, nor the earliest, but it is a watershed event one wherein I was no longer a child confused by the experiences I was encountering, but an adult aware that something strange was occurring about me. About me. <laughs> something I did not understand and which seemed to be intentionally, elusively remaining just outside my senses. Mid-January in the White Mountains, 1991, my old roommates from Boston College go together to go skiing. One of us, Johnny, who would in time become a distinguished New England surgeon, came from a well-to-do family. His grandfather had been a part of the Civilian Conservation Corps. Corps? Corps. Corps. Corps? 
whatever. <laughs> and a part of road building team that put the first roads across some of the mountains in the White Mountain Range of New Hampshire. After he had made a name for himself, he came back to the prettiest area he had worked and bought land. A lot of land. Pretty much up one side of a mountain, so Johnny explained. In the middle of this parcel, along a mountain-fed creek, he built literally a hunting lodge. This was the boys' place. Could sleep eight and no running anything. You came, you hunted, you ate, you hung with the men. Beds were wood slate bunks with raw foam, plenty of blankets. Okay, count me out. That's an Airbnb I wouldn't sign up for. Yeah. (laughs) Kerosene lamps, outhouse with frigid water came from the creek. Ugh. I'm a city kid, Chicago. I know nothing of this life and I never experienced anything like it. I don't like trees without a ring of concrete around them. <laughs> or any place I can't see for blocks with street lights. <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> I imagined New England would be jam-packed with people. It ain't. Surprise. New Hampshire, as small as it is, is a rugged, empty wilderness. We drove up from Boston and kept going on to narrower and narrower wor- narrower roads until we were driving through what really is a treacherous snow cave of laden trees, steep embankment, jagged road made of tire ruts that kept getting steeper and going up and up. Three vehicles, one Chevy Cavalier, a Ford minivan, and a Ford rental Explorer. The Cavalier got stuck and we pushed to the side. The minivan and Explorer kept going. It seemed like we were climbing up nature's backside. (laughs) I love the imagery. Right? But now I do know, like, Mother Nature must be thick. Um, It was unnerving to me. When I thought we just couldn't go any further, the ruts jinked that means went into a small hollow and climbed yet again eventually we came to a post in the road and a side road veered off crossing a small handmade bridge over a creek there across from a small field was an unlit well wood plank hut lodge is too is lodge is far too romantic and impressive to describe what this was (laughs) no artistry no architecture Four walls, windows, and a roof. The explorer made the bridge. The minivan did not. It slid to the right in the middle of the crossing, dropping its right tire over the side, terrifyingly <gasps> lifting its rear left wheel into the air. And just about, we or just about, we thought it was going over, but instead it stopped completely blocking the bridge. So this is already a horror story. Like we don't even need anything spooky kooky ooky. No, this is just red flags all over. This is a very detailed story, though, so hang in. Hang in here with me. I'm hanging. Um, But I do love it. We were screwed. The explorer could not get back across the narrow bridge, and the minivan was damn damn well stuck. We got out and proceeded to spend the next 10 minutes giving an outstanding demonstration of a bunch of morons (laughs) that have their heads on completely up their rear ends and being clueless about knowing how to fix a messed up situation at that moment uh we at that moment when we probably would have done something really dumb the only vehicle i ever saw on that road in three days came up around the bend 
The two men in the pickup stopped, got out, and asked us calmly if we needed help. They were just guys, blue jeans, boots, caps, flannel, but they were also real emotionless. We all tried to get them to laugh or whatever, but nothing. Flat. I hate that type of situation. So awkward. Right? The only thing more awkward than absolute silence is trying to break it and it just like not being reciprocated whatsoever. They officially hitched their pickup on the minivan's rear frame and pulled it back onto the bridge. Wisely, we left it parked on the roadside, not risking blocking the bridge again. We offered the guys money or beer or whatever. They flatly refused it all, got in without saying much of anything, not even so much as a goodbye, and continued on. Odd. It made you feel odd. We opened up the hunting lodge, got a fire going, lit the kerosene lamps, opened the doors a bit to get the mouse smell out, swept it, got some food going, put the beers in the snow, settled down, and started clowning around and playing cards. Like, well, you know, you do. (laughs) It was fine. Bit of a trip getting up there. Odd experience getting in, but tomorrow we'd be up early and get out and be on the slopes. A good time. By about 11 p.m., we called it quits. There were two bunk rooms off of the main room, each with four bunks, two along each wall. At the feet of each bunk, a wall with a window. Not comfortable, but not impossible either. You know, soon I was asleep until I wasn't anymore. 2.55 a.m., I checked my watch. Uh Uh-oh, awfully close to three. A red flag. Right? I don't know what I am hearing, but I heard something that woke me up. Around me in the darkness, I can hear guys sleeping, some breathing a bit heavy, some snoring. I strain my ears, listening intently. I don't need to. There, tap, 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 tap. Five very precise mechanical knocks, knocks, evenly spaced like they were knocked out by a metronome. I think knife tip or maybe a nickel coin hitting a glass pane. Very precise, very intentionally sounding, intentional sounding. I don't move and breathe slow, shallowly focusing on my hearing. Again, tap, 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 tap. Clear as a damn bell. There's nothing that I saw inside this bare bones lodge that would, could, or should make that sound. No electronics, no clocks, nothing. Just table, chairs, lockers, blankets, and bed. Someone is dicking with us. (laughs) I've never heard that phrase before. Maybe those guys in the pickup messing about for fun? Shit. I swing my feet down and gently, quietly lower myself to the floor. You heard that too? Asked Ted, who had the bunk right below mine. Yeah. Any idea what it is? No, but I don't like it. (laughs) Any idea which way it came from? Ted didn't get a chance to answer. Tap, 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 tap. Shit. I looked out the window. There's nothing there but the back of the field dimly lit by the moon. Trees everywhere, but none near the cabin. I patted my socks out of the room and into the other bunk room. Three guys in their bunks. If they are faking it, they're doing a good job. Tap, tap. Tap, tap, tap. There are now three of us awake. So I wake up Johnny, who was not pleased about it. Jesus, what? What have you gotten here that makes a knocking noise, like something knocking on a window? Huh? Nothing. Forget it. Go to bed. 
I look out the window in their room, nothing. I swing my flashlight around through the main room and look at all the windows around the dining room, nothing. All empty, slightly condensed. Tap, 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 tap. Now Johnny is standing beside me. I heard that, I don't know, I've, I've never heard that before. And you've been up here before, right? He says, yeah, a lot. Any firearms? No, not unless we bring them and we got skis instead. I grab my boots. What are you doing? I said, going outside to look around. Johnny says, what? Why? Don't. There is no need. But I won't be put off. I'm not about to spend the rest of the night waiting for someone or something to keep knocking on the glass somehow and keep me awake. It totally could have a perfectly good explanation, but I'm going to find out what is causing it. I reach into my pack and pull out my dad's Marine K-bar, better something than nothing, pull on my jacket and punch through the door into the snow. It's quiet, super quiet, nothing, no wind, nothing, dead silent. I know it's midwinter up a mountain and that seems, and that means quiet, but damn, it was unnerving. As I step in the snow, I wish I could make my footsteps quieter. I scan the tree line, path to main road, the area around the Explorer parked by the bridge, nothing. I look for footprints, only our tracks coming from the Explorer to the cabin are there. I look up on the roof. I look for anything melting, nothing, and it's too damn cold to melt. I clear the front of the cabin and start moving along the side towards the back towards the area that you see when you look out the bunk rooms. And I stop. I can't force myself to go another step and clear the back wall of the cabin. I can see most of the area and there's nothing, no tracks around the cabin or across the field. But for the life of me, I cannot force myself to take the next four or five steps that will allow me to see the entire back wall of the cabin. And I realize I'm terrified. My heart is absolutely pounding, and I can hear my blood pressure in my ears. It's just a few steps. There's nothing out here. We are literally on a deserted mountainside, and I am too petrified to move. I feel as though there is something close by and that I can't see it, even though the corner of the cabin is still in the way. I push myself. I really try. But something inside me, and I've never experienced a panic attack, is panicking right now, full-blown. I don't turn my back, but instead inexplicably walk backwards, keeping the light forward and retrace my steps to the front of the cabin. I turn around and hustle back to the front door. They're all up now. Well, Johnny asks, there's nothing. Thought I heard something knocking on the window, but there's nothing. No tracks, nothing to see. Yeah, just what I thought. I'm going back to sleep. I don't tell anyone what I felt or that my heart is beating at a good clip and that I am relieved to be back inside. I go back to my bunk, this time with my flashlight and my dad's K-bar with me. I look out the small window and in the dull moon glow, I fully expect to see a shadow, but I don't. I do fall asleep. The next few nights, nothing. Dead silent at night. To this day, I think I felt something I could not see. Yeah, maybe just my imagination and all, but I'm not the jumpy type and I've not had that happen before. More to the point, later in life, I would have a similar feeling of dread, panic, and anxiety and would go looking again. 
like I did that night. The t- next time it happens 20 years on, I would see something different and I would encounter something completely different setting, very much the same feelings. I don't know. It's the feelings or emotions that are there. It's a weird combination of fear, anxiety, and determination to find something that is causing you to feel that way. Anyone have something like this or is it just me and I'm wired weird? (laughs) My memory is like a video. All these years on, I can still hear, see, and feel the guys around me. Hear that precise, mechanical, massage-like tapping. Knowing it was something, something wanting us to know it was there. Me standing frozen stiff in fear in the cold, unable to will my knee to bend to take a few steps more. Caving to a flood of relief as I headed away back into the safety of the cabin. Odd. It seems to me as if this person's like a sensitive. Right? Like a very like sensitive to the paranormal. Yeah. I mean, some people are saying, you know, it's a woodpecker, but the truth is we have a woodpecker by my house and it is terrifying, mm-hmm. but it's like got some rhythm to it, not like a beat. Does that make sense? Yeah. I wonder, you know, was it these spirits? Was it like of the, um, what's it called? The lumberjack type guys they saw? Like, where does, do those two tie into each other? Is it just um, like a mystical place? Could it be on Native American land? Ooh, that could be. A lot of stuff happens, you know, on, um, you know. Well, I mean, the whole, let's be honest, this whole country was Native land. But I actually saw this thing, non sequitur. It was a map of the U.S. that shows you the Native American territory of everywhere in um, North America. So for our last story today, my story is titled, Should I Be Concerned? And this is written by Alien Tears. So um, I've always had a small, weird experience that happened to me, but I usually ignore them since it's quite inconsequential. However, Recently, this month, I've had a few more strange experiences that's happened over a small course of time, and I'm not sure if I should be concerned or if it can just simply be explained away. The first week of December, I woke up with a three-fingerprint-shaped mark on my forearm for some reason, and I know I didn't get this on accident, as I would have felt it since they're quite dark, as if somehow only gripped, as if I only gripped my arm with three fingers, specifically super hard. I know I didn't get them in my sleep either because I don't have anything hard on my bed that I could have pressed down on while sleeping, just only the usual soft stuff like pillows. I did think it was quite strange at first, but I ended up just ignoring it and figured it'd disappear over time. But it's already January, and although it's faded a bit, I can still see those marks. The second thing that happened was that I woke up from my sleep by someone calling my name. Now, this kind of freaked me out since I sleep by myself and I always lock my door in my accommodation so no one else could have been in my bedroom. The third thing that happened when I came back home for Christmas break and during it was sorry, the third thing happened when I came back home for Christmas break and during me practice practicing on my piano, I was hit with the strongest feeling ever that I needed to leave the room immediately. It was that feeling of dread 
Like if I had decided to stay in that room any further, something bad would have happened to me. The entire time I felt as if something was watching me. And honestly, the fear was so overwhelming that I literally ran out of the room and hid under the covers of my bed until I fell asleep. It frightened me to my core. And I literally don't know why I felt this way since I've always practiced piano in that room without anything like that ever happening. The final thing that made me post this was that during me watching TV at 5 a.m. by myself, I swear to God, I heard someone whisper, hey, straight into my left ear. At first, I thought, oh, no. maybe, at first I thought that maybe it was just someone saying that on TV. But as I was rewinding, literally no one had said that. Not even anything remotely close to what I could have misheard. The weirdest thing was that unlike the piano room incident, I didn't feel, feel scared at all. Obviously, I was shocked, but I didn't feel the same overwhelming sense of fear as I did previously. These are weird incidents. Should I be worried or should I just ignore it? Or can it be explained away? The end. I feel like there is an explanation and it's that there's a spirit there. Right. Yeah. yeah, definitely a spirit of some kind. Maybe there's multiple, maybe one nice one, maybe one not so nice one. Mm, I like it like a good like a like an evil twin good twin type of thing yeah 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 um it may be a spirit that follows this person around um I don't know but then I was looking at the comments and someone commented if it is paranormal our words carry power I'm not saying go pick a fight with the spirit, but whenever I, <laughs> whenever I needed something to leave, I commanded it, asserted myself, let these things know they have no right to be in my home and it needs to leave if it means it will harm me. Maybe it's not evil though. Maybe it just didn't want you playing the piano at that moment or maybe not playing <laughs> that song. Maybe it was just upset. The dread thing makes me think it's a little more worrisome but if it were me, I would talk to it out loud and just say that you need to practice the piano and it's rude to make you stop when this is your home. If the song you were playing was pretty popular, maybe it brought up bad memories or whatever, was listening and it didn't like that. It doesn't, Ooh. Yeah, I like that. It doesn't have to always be evil or bad, but if I was a betting man, I'd say it needs to move on. Marking you with the mocking of the Trinity, these things in threes, like the three fingers on their arm. Yeah. And you stop playing the piano. Yeah. It needs to move on to somewhere else. I'm not an expert in these things and I have an eclectic way of dealing with them myself. So I don't think my advice would help you if I were to tell you how I would make it leave. I'm sure somebody here has good advice though. I've used sage on multiple homes I've lived in and it's always worked for me, but it's just a tool. How you use that tool is what matters. You can't just light some sage and have everything be perfect again. Yeah. For, I also want to say about the sage, um, absolutely true. Mm-hmm. You know those TikTok mini vlogs and they're like, I burnt sage and then had coffee and then read the news. And it's like, but did that do anything? The three marks is worrisome. But I do, I do think that this is something that if this is this person's home, especially like if they're coming home during the holidays or whatever, mm-hmm. they need to talk to the spirit, communicate and say, no, this is my home. I want to feel safe. I want to feel comfortable mm-hmm. here. So you have to leave. Yeah. And you have to strongly believe in that. And you have to, I, I think not mock or put down the spirit because I feel like sometimes talking to it in a negative tone just riles up a spirit, especially if it's a bad spirit. Mm-hmm. But I think that sometimes spirits just need acknowledgement for them to get that closure and move on. So maybe that's what they need to do. 
I liked it. I like ending it on that note too. Yeah. Well, on that note, that concludes this episode of Just Ghoulie Thanks. Thank you so much, Boo Thanks, for listening. And Lily, do you have anything to say to wrap up before we shout out our socials? I actually have one thing to say that actually has to do with my second story. Oh, because okay. I got this because I, I got distracted. Okay. I feel like feeling energies and kind of knowing your surroundings is such an underestimated you know, thing or like an underrated thing because, you know, like the writer was going around and he just felt like, do not go, just head back. Mm -hmm. And that instinct of backing up and keeping your flashlight on it. You know, I think things like that, A, should be more written into horror movies. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And B, definitely always trust your instinct because it feels like his body was trying to warn him Mm-hmm. And, you know, if he didn't listen, who knows, maybe these weren't spirits of, you know, other mountain residents. Maybe these were real mountain residents who were like cannibals. Yeah. You never know. Just follow your intuition. You guys could follow us on Instagram at. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and. At Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast group. Donate to our Patreon. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. Buy our merch at tpublic.com and then you search Just Ghoulie Things Podcast or rebeccaruber.com slash shop. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience you'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at justghoulithingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, Boo Thangs, and we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye. Alex Knight, the world's foremost authority on Bigfoot research, heads to Canada to investigate a profoundly incredible Bigfoot encounter. His daughter, Sydney, eagerly joins the expedition. Accompanied by reluctant Toronto television hostess Amira Ali, Sid and her father's team adventure north in pursuit of the legendary Sasquatch. Prophecy from a forgotten Algonquin tribe and a mystical calling deeply connects Sydney to the creature. The revelation of unknown truths ensures that Sydney will never see the forest or herself the same again. Get your copy of James Allen Ross's Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot. Now for the price of $9.99 paperback and $0.99 on Kindle. Available on Amazon now.